Welcome to the Impact Leadership Podcast, brought to you by Cartavera, the leadership development ecosystem that helps you grow your people, grow your business, and grow your life. Today is episode number seven, and we're going to be talking with national speaker, author, thought leader, and sales trainer, Phil Gerbyshack, who's going to be talking to us today about a program, What's Your Weird? We're going to be talking about personal branding. How do you stand out in a very diverse and messy business world? How do you stand out in the sales context? How do you differentiate yourself in an authentic way? Phil is going to be talking about not only how do you stand out, but he's going to talk about a couple of key elements to sales, including things we don't hear all the time. How do you function in a place of service in sales? And the really great one for me is how do you play the role of a teacher when you're in the sales role? Stay with us as we have a conversation with Phil Gerbyshack about all things sales, marketing, and personal branding, and leave today with ways to have more impact starting tomorrow in your business and within your organization. Welcome to the Impact Leadership Podcast. Welcome to the Impact Leadership Podcast, where we explore leadership, business, and personal growth to help you grow your business and live a richer life. We're your hosts, Jeff Dishwitz and Craig Matthews. We believe that leaders have to put their people first. And if you don't have time to grow your people, then you're not leading. Get ready for conversations that will challenge your thinking and help you transform your leadership and your business. Welcome to your bigger business and bigger life. Welcome to the Impact Leadership Podcast. I'm excited today, Craig and I, to have our special guest, my good friend, I think I can say that out loud, Phil Gerbyshack, who I have known for a number of years now. We first met through the National Speakers Association at the infamous Cigar Peg, which is probably, we're not going to talk about that today. <laughs> Too much fun and all confidential. Uh, Phil is currently serving all sorts of different roles, and we're actually going to talk about that a bit today in the context of sharing about personal branding. Right now, um, Phil is He's got one job, his day job, which is VP of sales for Vector Solutions. And he's also continues to maintain his very um, vibrant speaking and training uh, business in terms of a sales trainer, sales trainer, keynote speaker all over the country and all over the world, last I heard. So welcome, Phil. Hey, welcome, thanks. Phil. Thanks, guys. It's great to be here. Glad to have you. So Phil, it's funny. I, you know, I actually did look at your website before today. Not that I felt like I needed to, and I thought it was funny that the first word that jumped out at me was bold. I said, "Really? Huh? They must have met Phil." <laughs> yeah. I don't think anyone has ever been accused you of anything less than bold. So why don't we start off, Phil? Give us, uh, give our listeners a little bit of the story of Phil. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I can do that. So let's, uh, let's rewind a long time. So I'm originally from a little itty bitty town in northern Wisconsin called Krivitz. Krivitz has 996 people. We didn't get a stoplight until 1993. So I did not grow up with many of the traditional advantages of people in the city. I didn't have a big network. I really didn't have a lot of opportunity for any sort of growth. I mean, having a great job would have been working at the factory or working at the gas station. And so I went in the Navy out of high school. I delivered email by hand and I was crypto before crypto was cool. I was a, <laughs> it's true. I was a cryptologic technician, which meant that my job was to, as I said, deliver email by hand. I was a human distribution list and to load up cryptographic information so that top secret 
messages could be sent back and forth between airplanes, between the ground and the government and all of that sort of thing. I've done a lot of different things. I, I was a stockbroker. I've sold high-speed internet. I sold software for a while. I, you know, I've been podcasting myself about 15 years. Uh, I've written five books. I did a lot of things. And then in 2008, changed my life again. I quit my job. I gave a two-year notice. I decided I was going to leave corporate and I was going to go do my own thing. So in May of 2010, I did leave and did my own thing. But in between there and now, uh, I, like I said, I've sold software. I've, I've, I've done three or four startups. I've pitched on uh, in Silicon Valley to some of the best uh, venture capitalists. I've done tons of presentations. I've written five books. I've been in the Wall Street Journal, USA Today, all sorts of different stuff, sharing my insight and get to do a lot of these fun podcasts. And now, uh, as you mentioned, now I'm the VP of sales training at a software company, a high-tech software company here in Tampa, which I'd never heard of, Vector Solutions, not Vector Marketing, not Cutco Knives. We're not selling knives. We're selling solutions for a lot of people, architects, engineers, construction, uh, you know, mining, lumber, high, you know, uh, higher ed, elementary, middle. And today I'm proud to say I am a teacher. That's who I am at my heart, right? I, I'm a sales guy, but I really believe that sales is about service. So Phil, I, I love that, man. You know, just a couple minutes, you shared a lot, but there's two words that jumped out at me. Service and teacher. Yeah. And what I know about you from the time we've met, both of those come to mind because to me, service is about giving and that teacher mindset, which I know Craig and I have talked about before, is so critical to someone who's in any kind of leadership role. Yeah. So how does that, how have those two elements really shown up for you, both in your speaking and training business, as well as your VP role right now? Well, uh, if, if we think about serving first, it's all about being useful, right? That's why the word useful is there. I mean, and other people have said that, right? I didn't really think about that. In fact, I think many times as leaders, we think that our greatest gift is no big deal. But really our greatest gift is the thing that is no big deal to us, but is of great value to other people. Yeah. And I've, I, you know, I didn't believe that. I didn't embrace that, right? I, I thought, well, it comes easy to me, so it's got to come easy to everybody else. Well, it doesn't. Being of service means that from my greatest gift, I can best serve. I can share that with you because you can't pour out, pour out of an empty pitcher. It's just right. not possible. So that's where greatest gift, right? Service. And when it comes to teaching, teaching is kind of two parts. Teaching first is listening, finding out what the student needs, what they say that they need, and listening even between the lines to hear what is it really that they're asking about? What really hurts? And then from there, then it's responding and offering an insight or offering a different perspective or offering a little nudge, a little bit of encouragement to go just a little bit further to help them understand that, frankly, you know, it was either inside of them or now that I've shared it with them, now it is inside of them. And now they can work on it if they'll only take the time to prepare and practice and get it done even more, regardless of job. I mean, I work with salespeople now. So preparing and practicing means, you know, prepping for the sales calls, stuff like that. And practicing means, you know, saying people's names, making sure that you get your talk track right, things like that before you go to produce. But frankly, it's still about service and teaching. Nothing sells like confidence. Let's be really yeah. clear. If you're not confident in yourself and your product and your service, in what you're delivering, right? In, in the leadership that you do for your team, 
well, how the heck are they going to follow you, right? If you say, charge that hill, but boy, I'm not really sure that's the right hill. Well, that doesn't work, right? right. That doesn't stink and work. So we have to remember that. So, and confidence, again, comes from preparation and practice, experience on the field, right? Having been in the military, I, I, you know, you call it battlefield experience, and you don't get that always in battle, but you get experience by preparing and practicing, getting ready for that. And many times that is what our military does. That is what leaders do, right? We prepare our team for the worst possible case scenario, even though it never comes, because then when the best case happens, then it's exciting, then it's new, and then we can handle it because then we can go with the flow. And it's like, wow, this is a lot easier than I thought, as opposed to preparing them for the layups, which is like preparing for the easiest case. <laughs> and then any adversity comes and we're like, oh my gosh, what do I do about this? This is hard. So yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't play so well. So I'd rather prepare for the worst case and then hopefully get the best case. Well, something yep. I want to highlight, because I'm not sure everybody caught this, because you know, one of the things Craig and I are focused on around creating more impact is we talk about for leaders to have more impact, they have to disrupt. And what they first have to disrupt is themselves and their thinking. And when you put together and said, wait, we're talking about sales, and most people have heard, yeah, if I'm in sales, I've got to be good at listening. But you focused on teaching, having a teacher's mindset in sales. I think if we talked to 100 salespeople and said, tell us about teaching, they would say, I don't know. Do I need to be taught? So I think <laughs> right there, you're a one percenter or less by connecting the idea of teaching to the, to the world of sales. I think it's beautiful and disruptive. Yeah. Thanks. Well, it's, you know, it's that listening, right? That's, that's being taught, right? I want my customer, I want my prospect to teach me about them, but then I have to teach it back, right? I have to show that I understand them. So that's where, you know, for me, that just seems like a natural connection. Well, and also if you, if you take the corollary of inbound marketing, it's, it's a lot the same because you're, you're usually educating them about a particular topic. You're seven, uh, giving a white paper or something that is of value to them. And then from there they say, Oh, I like this content. I like these people. Let me see what else they have. And then that, that leads into the sale. Yeah. And, and that also builds trust, right? I mean, that's yes. the thing. That's where uh, real information, not self-promotional information, but real right. information adds value. I call it adding value before you add volume. Absolutely. Right? So we have okay, to add so I'm that sorry, value. Repeat that. Add value before you add volume. Okay. Right. So before I get loud and I get in your ear, I want to add some, <laughs> I want to add some value to your life. And nice. on, and on social, right, or in inbound marketing, or even on a cold call, you have to add the value first. And that's not just some lame value statement. Let's be really clear. You have to have some insight about the person that you're going to talk to. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not saying you have to go as far as the challenger sale guys go and really just pushing your customer and making them super duper uncomfortable. But that first call has to show that you're not just some schmucky SDR not just some schmuck that's going to sell. You have to say, okay, listen, I have value for you and I get that you're super busy, but if you give me five, 15, 30 minutes of your time, I'm going to prove that value and give you a return on your investment because what we often miss is opportunity, not income, right? Not saving money. We, I, I've got 80 things to do today, right? If, I, if I'm working a 10 hour day and that's most of my days, right? I'm working from seven to five, seven to six, that's my day or I work from seven, you know, eight to five and then I come back on at night, 10 hour day. If I give you an hour of that day, I just gave you 10% of my day that I'm never going to get back. And if you can't demonstrate that I'm going to get some multiple of that back, well, why the heck would I give you an hour of my time? It's not because I don't think your product's valuable. It's not because I don't think your service is valuable. It's not because right as a leader, when I go out and talk to my team, 
my, my team isn't pushing back against the coaching because they don't think they need it. It's because they feel that by doing exactly what they've been doing, they can get a better return on their investment. I have to add value before I add volume. And that, and that, I just have to do that over and over again. And that's what real leaders do, right? They add more value over and over again. So that when the time comes to make a withdrawal, that there is something in the value bank for them. That's, that's also the secret to networking. You know, it's always give first and then, you know, maybe down the road, you can have an ask, but it's really about how do how can you be of service to other people? And then you're building a relationship. It's, it's not about the transactional. Absolutely. And for me, you know, the, you haven't used this phrase. It's a phrase I use in all contexts of sales, marketing and life which is you talk about adding value and that is what it is. I refer to in what ways can I earn the right, but I have to earn the right to everything. So I have to earn the right to the next five seconds. I have to earn the right to the next to make it 10 minutes. I have to earn the right to the meeting with you. I have to earn the right to the pitch. And I think a lot of salespeople, if you ask them about earning the right, they would say, I have to earn your business. And I say, no, that's way too late because the business comes later I've got it from every moment, do something, yeah. add something to your experience that says, I'm, this is worth it. So Phil, you, you mentioned something I want to go deeper on. It's an interesting concept. You talked about confidence. Talk about confidence in the context of sales, but versus bravado and ego, because there's a lot of salespeople who appear confident. My opinion, they're not confident at all. So what does that really mean for you and has it meant for you in your journey? So confidence means for me, I have enough preparation and enough practice that now that I'm going to do this, I can deliver this and not have to think about it so that when you ask me a question I wasn't expecting, like you just did, I can pivot to that and I can think on my feet because I have enough experience, enough preparation, enough practice to actually get there. That's confidence for me, right? So as it relates to sales, that means I've been through the product enough. I understand the service. I've run through my talk track. I know how to pronounce your name. I know what's important to you. Little stuff like that, because those, those are all pauses, right? So if I've got a, if I have 90 seconds of your time and I pronounce, and I call you and I say, Jeffrey uh, Nimshitz, you're like, no, dude, that's not right. Immediately, I've lost your confidence and you're hanging up the phone. Bravado is just BS, right? Bravado is like, I'm great. Look at me. Aren't I good? That doesn't work, right? Me, Tarzan, you, Jane, sales doesn't play anymore. And it certainly doesn't play for leaders either. You have to have that time in the saddle. And part of the confidence also is that quiet confidence of saying, you know, I don't know the answer. It's a great question. I'm going to get back to you and find out, but I don't know that answer. And confident enough to know that that doesn't mean that I'm stupid. It doesn't mean that my team thinks less of me. It just means this particular answer, I don't know. So I'll get it. Does that answer your question, Jeff? Gosh, yeah. And you know, Phil, you, what's funny about that is you just shared in a couple minutes, what's probably four to 40 separate podcasts (laughs) because there's so much in there and and there's two pieces I want to just pluck out and put a little more light on. One was you talked about confidence with all the preparation so you're ready in the moment. And to me, what you're speaking to is the preparation allows you to be more or fully present. Because what yes. I believe in, in, in Impact Podcast and uh, Cartavera, all the things we're working on in my business, in my new book, 
I talk a lot about the power of presence. And I find in sales, it's so critical that if I'm thinking about anything but being in that moment and fully and full bore listening, I'm not going to be where I need to be. And, you know, people say if I'm more confident, I'm more present. I think it's actually the opposite. The more present I am, the more confident. Because the funny play on words is, and Amy Cuddy wrote a book called Presence, and she spoke to this and said, the more present I am, the more presence I have. And when people say, wow, he or she's got great presence, that's because they're in the present moment. And a lot of that, you just gave us a great tool of preparation allows me to be more present. Let's take a quick pause and hear from our sponsors. The Impact Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Cartavera. Cartavera is a leadership development ecosystem with training, coaching, resources, events, and a community to help you grow. At Cartavera, we believe that you can't grow a business bigger than you, that your company is limited by your growth. We blend personal growth with leadership, team, and business growth to give you a single place to grow your people, grow your business, and grow your life. The Cartavera Tribe is a membership program like nothing else you've seen. In addition to training and resources, you'll also have access to Craig and Jeff, as well as masterminds, coaching, implementation plans, game days that challenge your thinking and accelerate your growth, and a personal growth Sherpa who will be your guide on the side to help you achieve your biggest goals. You can find out more at cartavera.com. That's C-A-R-D-I-V-E-R-A.com. Or just click the link in the show notes. Welcome back. One of the things that I, I know about you, Phil, is you are a master of personal branding. And I'd love to hear more about your take on that. Sure. Well, personal branding, I think it boils down to three simple words. What's your weird? That's personal <laughs> branding. It, it really is, right? So what's, what's your weird, weird about you? What's your weird? So if we break that down, right, and we really think about what's your weird, weird is really simple, right? It's what do you do differently than everybody else? So for instance, in a sea of attorneys, Jeff, you're an attorney. That doesn't help you. But the fact that you have a bald head in a group of people that don't have bald heads, well, that might make you different. The fact that, uh, Jeff, where are you from originally again? Uh, Ohio. Baby Ohio, Ohio, right? And now Ohio. you're in Florida. Yeah. Well, that might make you very different here in Florida, right? In Tampa. Could be my orange glasses. That could be what helps me stand out. In fact, on this on this podcast, right, I'm the weird one because I'm the one that has hair on my head. Right, exactly. That makes me weird, right? No, <laughs> right? Because it's, it's all about what makes you different. But so if we think about what's your weird, that is personal branding in a nutshell, okay? Now, personal branding is also what people say about you that say, that helps you stand out. So for me, again, I, I don't, I swear to you, I didn't initially think that wearing bright colored glasses was any big deal. Because frankly, you can go buy a pair of bright colored glasses too. That doesn't matter. But you have to then stand behind that. And as everybody says, in fact, I remember six years ago, seven years ago, Darren LaCroix says, dude, I could spot you from across the room because of your bright glasses. Yep. Sally Jess Raphael. Yep. Absolutely. Bright so I think about that, right? So that's, that's one part of personal writing. So what other people say, that's the other part. And then it's what you do consistently, time after time yes. after time. So that's being helpful. That's being useful whatever that is, right? That's personal branding and you show up time after time aligned with who you are. So if you're passionate about leadership, you have to be the example for leadership. And that's, that's, that's kind of a big topic. So I would tell you, niche that down even further. It might be leadership for someone else, right? Leadership for it. So advice for new leaders, 
could be your niche, right? Could be how you personally brand that. And then you come at that so that people remember your name or they remember what you look like or they remember what you do. You know, Sally Hogshead had said it best. And I, and I credit her all the time with this. And she says, better is good, but different is better than better. So if you think about it, you know, being different is really what helps us all stand out. And we all have something different about. So if we think about this, right, I serve in the military, I live in Florida, you know, there's different things that help me stand out. And we put those together, throw them all in the blender, what's your weird? And now we've got our little blended up personal brand. And we just behave in that way every single day. For me, it's not just the orange glasses. It's other bright colors as well, because now people say, well, Phil, how many pairs of glasses do you have? And do you match your socks to your glasses? And do you match your cufflinks to your glasses? And a lot of days that answer is absolutely. And it helps people remember me because my personality also leads into that, right? Because that's who I am. So it has to be congruent, right? It has to be aligned. And then just be that way over and over again. And that's personal branding. That's in articles that I write. That's in videos that I do. That's in interviews that I do. That's in interviews that I, that I am the interviewer in. That's how I speak. That's how I train. That's the books I write. That's everything that I do over and over and over again. So you have to be consistent with that. And it's, you know, it's, it's work, right? And it's a work in progress because if suddenly I decided, well, I'm not going to wear glasses anymore. Well, now I've got to do something else. Yeah. So it sounds like there's two different sides to that. One is the intentionality of saying, okay, this is who I am. This is my weird. But there's also the, the this is what other people are saying my weird is or, or what, how I stand out. And it's really coming from both directions. But I would mm-hmm. say the authentic you seems to be what other people are saying because that's how you're showing up in the consistent way. Right. Yeah. It's two circles, right? And the overlap there is really your personal brand. Yeah. Right? What you want to be known for and, and what other people say, and then it shows up and that's in the middle. And, but it starts though, you have to start. Looks like glasses. Could be glasses, right? That kind of move <laughs> in, right? But it really starts though. You have to pick your lane. So Phil, I heard, I heard something in there. I don't know if you've ever thought of it this way. I'm, I'm taking away three C's around personal brand. And one is consistency. Mm-hmm. Uh, another is congruency, which is not the same as consistency. And the third is, is confidence. And where that comes together, all three of those for me is, it's about, um, I think you got to own the brand. You got to be willing to own the brand and there's a risk (laughs) with it. So the story that comes to mind is one of my dearest friends, um, he's a fellow speaker and author and we were together in a really cool setting where, you know, we have, we have really good conversations and he had not shaved in a while and he he looked good in the beard. I said, I told him you look good. And I said, yeah, you look really good. He goes, well, I'm going to shave it. And I said, why are you shaving? And he said, well, I'm speaking in a couple of days. I need to shave it. And so the next night we were at a cocktail party and he came up and he said, Jeff, do you think that I can keep this beard and pull it off as a speaker? And I said, absolutely not. And he looked at me and said, <laughs> as he often does, well, last night you said it looked great. I said, it does. Then why did you tell me you can't pull it off? And I said, because you asked my opinion. Right. You're asking for me to tell you it's okay. And when you don't have to ask my permission, then you're ready to have a <laughs> great insight. And I think that that's that confidence piece that really, I think the congruency for me is the biggest piece because it feeds the others. I can be consistent all the time, but if I can't own it and I'll, I'll tell you for me, 
um, you probably haven't seen me as much, but I started owning a brand, a couple brands the last couple of years. And I was hesitant. And one was about purple because I wore purple a lot. And uh, I think, you know, do you know Dave, uh, David Rendell? Of course. The prefect. So David, you know, he's owned his brand. He is the weird. In pink. weird and pink, right? Think pink. And, but he said, Jeff, you got to own your brand. And I was hesitant. And I, my, uh, my tailor about eight months ago suggested that I get a sport coat that is all lavender. There's no pattern. And I looked at it and I said, I'm not ready for that. <laughs> and she said, yes, you are. And what I found is I was because I wear that jacket and I own it, frankly. Yeah. And it is a differentiator. And people come up to me and say, wow, what a jacket. And they have said, man, you just own that. And that is more than confidence. There's, there's yes. a, almost a soulful congruency that I think we have to get to in order to really claim and own a personal brand. Yeah. And well, and that's normal, right? Because if everybody likes it, like it's like lukewarm water. Yeah. Nobody right. hates it, but everyone's like, eh, it's okay. Well, I don't want to be okay. Right. I'd rather have 20% of the people that are super excited about my orange glasses. I've actually had people who've told me, you know what, dude, I hate your orange glasses. <laughs> like, that's right. Fantastic. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, they're, they're both right. And I frankly don't give a crap about either one of them. Right. Right. Because they're my glasses. Car. They're not yours. Yeah, that's right. Well, and I think to, I'm, to close the loop on this, as we're getting near the end, the, the phrase, and one of my coaches did this to me. I'm going to say he did it to me years ago because this is about impact. And he, he asked me a question that I didn't really want to hear. I knew it when I felt the answer coming up. He said, if you want to have great impact, and that's what we're talking about. He said, what does your rejection rate have to be? Ooh. And as soon, exactly, that's my, my, exactly, my body reacted. And as soon as he said it, I, I, he said, what do you think? I said, it's got to be at least 50%. And he said, where are you today? And I said, man, on my best day, I'm at 10%. And he said, the question for you is not, can you do it? But are you willing to take the risk to be rejected by over half the people to have the impact you want to have? And that is, you can call it boldness. You can call it courage. You can call it confidence. But that was a takeaway that was one of those tilt, you know, talk about a phrase that pays. <laughs> Are you willing to be rejected by over half in order to have impact? So Phil, you're a guy that I'm guessing has experienced a little bit of rejection. In your <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You be where you are. So yeah. I guess the closing question is to share with us for you, how, how do you view rejection and what well, do you do I with that? Well, rejection first is is necessary. Absolutely, you you have to be you have to get rejected. I, I think if you you don't, your ideas aren't radical enough. And I really I I, I struggle with it too, though. I'm not going to lie, right? I I uh, recently uh, last year I you know I I broke up with a long time uh, long time girlfriend and went on several dating apps. And I can tell you, the one that worked for me best was the one that rejected me the least. Hmm. So I don't like rejection either, but you can absolutely practice being rejected. And I would say, you know, one of the people that you want to learn from in rejection is a guy by the name of Zha Zhang. In fact, I'll be happy to make an intro because I bet he'd be a great guest for you guys. It's, yeah. uh, Jia is fantastic. J-I-A, uh, Zhang is great. He wrote a book about rejection therapy. And so for me, I'm always learning about it. I'm always learning and seeing how I can be rejected. And I can tell you, that even though it's not comfortable, I know that it's necessary. I know that it's how I grow. 
and I know that it's going to be hard. It's going to be uncomfortable. So a lot of times I'll practice being rejected in small ways. And sometimes, guess what? Sometimes I'm pleasantly surprised. So sometimes, you know, I, I, recently I have had people who don't necessarily agree with the direction that I'm taking training. Well, I have to be willing to stand up for what I believe in. I have to be willing to be rejected in order to be accepted, right? So I can get that rejection. I can hear, you know what? I, I don't agree with that. I'd like to understand why. Sometimes the rejection is simply because they're not in the space to say yes. Sometimes the rejection is because they're not having a great day. And sometimes the rejection, frankly, is because I am not doing the right thing for them. Any of those things is super valid. I have to be clear that rejection isn't personal unless it is. And what do I mean by that? I mean, they're typically not rejecting Phil Gerbyshack. They might be rejecting the idea. They might be rejecting the timing. They might be rejecting the product, the service. They might be rejecting something. But typically, they're not rejecting me. And I think as salespeople and as leaders, we have to stop taking it so personally and start understanding that people reject us for their own reasons, not for ours. That's a huge, huge insight, Phil. I, I think a lot of times, especially people just starting out in sales, they're, they're, they're really resistant to make the pitch because they don't want to be rejected because they do feel that that's personal. Yeah. And I would say, you know, at some point, there are certain people where I'm going to reject the person because they're trying to just shove it down my throat. It's the people that come to the networking event and just throw their, net, their card in your face and they're not listening to you. Yeah, I'm going to reject them. Yeah, people that don't add any value, right? Absolutely. Right. Pretty much out of hand. I yes. reject most people that add, that I can't even see how they might add value. Let's be right. really clear, right? That's the challenge, I think, with so many social networks is people come at us and they hit us with a value proposition and they never demonstrate how they've helped people like us. Right. So add value before you add volume. Really, Absolutely. really important. And that will aid in your rejection because, again, if you've added value, it might be the wrong value, right? It might be the value that they don't care about. I just read, a, I watched a video from Rex Bilberson today who was talking about sometimes we pitch the fact that we can save people money when in reality what they want is they want to grow their business. So we have to find <laughs> out what's important to them so right. that when we get that rejection, we got the rejection for the best possible way. And that is because there's no fit, not yes. because we weren't prepared. You've said this phrase many times. It's a great uh, way to, to put a bow on this conversation, which is, add value before you add volume. You said, volume. You've said it over and over. Uh, that's one of my big takeaways from today. And as I think you know from our, our conversation beforehand, we always ask everybody two questions. Uh, and one of those questions is, what's the most, uh, or I guess most is the best way to say, impactful book that you've read that you would recommend folks that they should read that would help them to have more impact in whatever they're doing? What's well, that for you? Um, yeah, so I would read Influence by Dr. Robert Cialdini. Great book. It is a fantastic book. Um, and with that, read, a, read the kind of follow-up, not really a sequel, but persuasion, so you can seed that influence before you get in a conversation. Cialdini is fantastic, C-I-A-L-D-I-N-I. Dr. Robert Cialdini is fantastic. It's a bunch of case studies. Read everything he's ever written, but definitely pick those up because uh, they'll help you be a better salesperson. They'll help you be a better leader. Help you be a better partner. Just help you be a better person all over. It's also magical for online marketing or any other kind of marketing you're doing. It's, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Fabulous. Fantastic. Six steps. So the other question, Phil, is um, 
and it's, we always make it difficult with this. What is one, the big one for you, a piece of wisdom you've learned or learned from someone else that you would share to listeners to say this piece of wisdom is a, is a path to greater impact? So when I did my first big speech, one of my mentors was sitting in the audience. His name was Steve Farber. I guess his name still is Steve Farber, right? <laughs> Farber, yeah. Farber wrote Radical Leap, Radical Edge, Greater Than Yourself, and Love is Just Damn Good Business, which is his most recent one. Great guy, great friend of mine. This is 20 years ago. Farber sitting in the audience, and he gave me three pieces of advice after I came off stage. And this is great for everybody. Real simple. Three words of advice. Be more you. The more you you can be, the more confident you can be, and the more real you can be. And as the follow-up to that, I'm going to give you three more words for how you get to be more you. Practice, practice, practice. <laughs> that is good stuff. That is good stuff, Phil. Great, Phil. So one thing we want to hear from everybody that's uh, on with us, is there anything that particularly exciting for you going on, new going on, that you want to share with our listeners? So I'm working on a new book. I'm working on the 1% sales solution. That'll be out sometime in 2020. It's little things that salespeople can do each and every day to get 1% better. Because the best salespeople are already giving it everything that they've got. But how do you give just a little bit more? And 1%, really, if, if you're where you think you are and you want to turn up just a little bit, I want to encourage you, think about the 1% better that you can be each and every day. And that's what I'm going to talk about in the book. Fantastic. Awesome. I look forward to that one, Phil. Yeah, so thanks. for the people who want to uh, keep track of you, follow you, stalk you, perhaps, I'm sure you have a couple <laughs> of those as well. I do. And I kind of like stalkers. It makes me feel more self-important. <laughs> the people who want to know when the book's coming out, so yes. what's the best way for people to get in touch with you or track you down? Yeah. Well, the easiest way, honestly, is to find me on LinkedIn. You can follow or connect there. If you can spell Gerbishak, you can find me. It's G-E-R-B-Y-S-H-A-K. Put LinkedIn is my favorite search engine, my favorite social network. Or if you're on another social network, search for Phil Gerb, P-H-I-L-G-E-R-B. I even have a TikTok account now, Jeff, though I don't know how to use it. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's some more learning for you. Absolutely. That's awesome, Phil. Thank you so much for being with us, for sharing your wisdom, your knowledge. Absolutely. Important. Some very specific ways that people can go out and have more impact starting tomorrow. Well, I'm going to go find my weird. <laughs> yeah, I can find my favorite. Thanks, Bill. Thank you, Bill. If you like this podcast, you'll love the Cartavera Tribe. The Cartavera Tribe is a community of growth-committed leaders who want to connect, engage, and grow themselves, their people, and their businesses. Cartavera is a leadership development ecosystem with training, coaching, assessments, and events to challenge you and help you grow. And the Cartavera Tribe is a membership like none other. You'll get live access to Craig and Jeff where you can ask questions, as well as masterminds where you can get answers from other leaders who've already solved your greatest challenges. You'll have access to additional interviews and a variety of courses, tools, and resources to help you achieve your biggest goals. We have monthly game days where we have challenges and competitive games to help you grow your leadership capabilities. And you'll get a personal growth Sherpa who will guide you to help you reach your growth goals. To find out more, go to cartavera.com. That's C-A-R-D-I-V-E-R-A.com. See you on the inside. How much do you understand the future of finance? 
I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transformed, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.